Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app right now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. All right, I am back. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Casual Friday on Talking Buffalo Podcast. I'm Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Tweets. And as always, for my Casual Friday, I got my good buddy, recurring guest, hockey writer, sports writer, my man, Joe Yurden. What's going on, buddy? What's happening, Pat? It's a uh, it's nice post-Thanksgiving weekend, I think. I, I, it is. Us doing the show so early last week kind of threw me, like, it was weird. It threw me off my head. Like it was because like because we got done like you know Thanksgiving got over with and I was like wow I feel like I should be doing something today. What am I what am I supposed to be doing? And it's like no, no, we already did the show two days beforehand. So yeah, I was I was very much off kilter. So I'm back on schedule now. I think <laughs> I think I'm not Casual sure. Casual Wednesday just didn't feel right, man. They didn't, no, I, they didn't feel good to me, especially when like. The the Wednesday ahead of Thanksgiving is is basically the like falls version of St. Patrick's Day, you know, because yeah. it's I, I mean, I don't know if you went out or did anything Wednesday, but like, nope, I, I, I ended up being out at some point on Wednesday night and it was just like, geez, OK, because I think I went out. Yeah, I went out with a couple friends to to go watch the Sabres and. Um, and we went to where we go, we went to Good Bar. Uh, on Elmwood and it was mm-hmm. a good thing we went <laughs> it was a good thing the game was at seven o'clock because uh if it was like a 10 o'clock start there was zero chance of getting in, of getting in there or getting Mop. in any place that would have had the game on you know what's funny you get to be our age if it's a night like say the night before Thanksgiving you want to get out early and you know just have a couple of drinks watch a game mm-hmm. or whatever it's still the as far as I know it's the biggest bar night of the year and I'm sure it turned into a uh cluster let at me, some point let me tell you there was a when we left when we left good bar and mind you it was like what 9 30 9 45 you know just after the game got over with we were like let's we got to get out of here it's going to get too crazy we got to go let's go somewhere else where it's not going to be as busy and we get outside there's a line to get in good bar that went down the block almost to forest sure. almost to forest avenue i was like Okay, I didn't know this. I didn't know it was going to be this busy here, but geez, okay. And then, like at like you know, walking down Elmwood, you will pass Jack Rabbit, which is brand new and it's hot. Same thing, line out the door. You know, we we stopped by the Beer Keep, which is a great spot. Um, it was busy in there. They had a DJ going for some reason. It was just loud. I was like, I was like okay, I was like, I, was like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm like me going out on Elmwood now is like I feel very much like I'm the old guy. Because, because when there's like a like DJ and there's people dude. showing up to, to like dance and be seen and, and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, man, I can't, I can't deal with this. Right? Find, me, you, find me the quiet corner bar. I'm fine. Are you team Coles or are you team good bar? Generally speaking. Oh, I've always thought that was a good competition. I always felt to me. Yeah. At least when I was coming up anyway, because I grew up on the West Side. So mm-hmm. those bars were right. They still are right next to each other. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, that was a cop. It was kind of like Coke and Pepsi or Burger King and, and McDonald's. Mm-hmm. 
when I was a kid anyway, I was team Coles for the record. I, I, you know what? Good bar is so different now compared to the way it was, I guess, even before I even got to Buffalo, uh, mm-hmm. that it's, it's kind of one and the same, like the, 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 the beer options at good bar are crazy good. Cause now it's like a craft beer bar almost, even though it's got all the, you know, the same old bells and whistles of, you know, that it used to. Um, and Coles is still like the, 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 you know, the sweet neighborhood bar, you know, you can get food, you get wings and, and, and eat there. Like, that's great. And you still, you can get all that stuff at good bar too. So it's really just like kind of whatever speed you're feeling at that right. day. You know, <laughs> if you're feeling like a little bit, like let's, let's, let's tamp it down a little bit. Let's go a little bit slower. Coles is probably the place, but if you're like, if you're thinking it's going to be a little bit rowdier of a night, I guess, or you want to be around more people, like I think good bars to play. But like honestly, I, I don't have a problem with either place. They're both good. Yeah, I'll tell you, I am team which bar is not as crowded when I, when I go somewhere. <laughs> yes. And I'm team happy hour hours and early evening as opposed to staying out past midnight, which mm-hmm. is funny. Yeah, when I was coming up, man, I was definitely team Coles. I, I got rejected in that bar many times college years you know i wasn't even going to college and i hooked up once or twice uh, you know i kind of always have remained loyal to coles but yeah man I, I love that i love that area but i don't know mm-hmm. about this time of year dude when it's cold that like that's a great elmwood is awesome to go sit out and have a couple drinks and just people watch whether it's cold's good mm-hmm. bar or any of those bars up and down this trip not necessarily even like that elmwood and bird area just all the mm-hmm. way up and down elmwood i love elmwood but I like it when it's nice out and people are out and about walking around. Oh, they still kind of are right now, aren't they? Just yeah. Some jackets I, and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that stretch is going to get a little weirder now that they built condos across the street from, from Good Bar and Coles. Yeah, that's like, right. It looks so weird now because, I, you know, I, I, you know, again, I'm not a lifer in Buffalo, so I'm, you know, it wasn't a, a painted in my mind forever, but just the, the old houses that the old buildings that were across the street from there. And they just tore them all down to build friggin' condos, which I'm thinking who's going to spend that much money to live across the street from good bar and Coles. Cause I don't know, man, seems like a weird move to me. Plus that intersection forest and Elmwood is constantly busy. It's always so, been that way. So I don't know, man, like that, I, I, if you're spending a ton of money to live there, like, Hey, I mean, Hey, cool. I'm sure the places are going to be, are going to be really nice. But also, you're living across the street from like two of the wild, like two of the really busier bars in the city. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. You know what? I, I got to warn you about something too. Before we're going to talk Bills, Sabers, like you know, we're going to have our starting five draft. And, and speaking of that, next week, I'm warning you now, a week ahead of time. Okay. I'm going to crush you with our draft. <laughs> so for okay. I, I think what we're going to do this month because it is December. We're going to have some sort of Christmas theme starting five draft every month. If, if there's anyone out there listening who's new to this podcast, every Friday, Joe and I do a starting five. We draft five of whatever. And usually it's musical stuff, you know, movies, mm-hmm. TV, all kinds of pop culture stuff. But we're going to do Christmas stuff like today. Later on today, we're going to do Christmas songs. And then next week, we're going to do Christmas movies. And I'm warning you now because I, that's all I've been doing all week. Watching Christmas movies. I have going into this season and and I had a conversation with Aaron Quinn from cover one, which kind of changed everything. I'm I'm not a Christmas movie guy. Like I've seen all, not all, I've seen a lot of the the classics or the, or the, like the most popular mainstream ones, Mm -hmm. but I haven't watched a lot of Christmas movies. So I decided I'm going to be a complete social outcast this entire month and do nothing but watch movies. 
I started this on Monday. You and I are taping this like around lunchtime here on Thursday. I've already watched 11 movies, Christmas movies. That what? I've, that I've oh never previously seen. And I don't want to give you, uh, I don't want to get into detail on how I feel about them. Although if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I've watched Santa Claus, The Santa Claus 1 and 2. I've watched Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2. I've watched uh, Claus. I watched The Ref. I watched Four Christmases. Uh, I watched The Night Before. There's a new one on HBO Max called 8-Bit Christmas that I just watched, uh, The Holiday. So I'm, my game's going to be strong, bro. I'm going to be well-informed, and uh, I don't know who I'm going to pick yet but because it's tough to only drag five. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, my Christmas movie knowledge is going to be through the roof by the time we get together for this next week. Let me let me just say that if you keep tipping your hand on Twitter with the, the movies that you really myself. like, <laughs> I'm gonna have you well scouted. I'm an attention I, whore, Joe. I can't help myself. I, man. Hey, <laughs> listen, listen. You don't you don't have to tell me about being an attention whore. Like, listen, I I, I don't even. I'm glad Twitter took away the ability to see how many tweets you've you've actually made, and <laughs> because it's been a lot over the last I don't know what how how long I've been on this stupid website twelve years. Jesus Christ. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, like Christmas movies, I, I have my my favorites and I tend to stick to that. And the schmaltziness of Christmas movies tends to like wear me out. And that's probably me being more of a Scrooge than anything. But I've, um, I'm, I've been that yeah. way, Joe. I've changed my ways though this year. I'm more open. I've opened my heart and my mind to the wonderful world of Christmas movies. I will say this, jokes aside, I'm... There, I can't believe how many Christmas movies there are. I always felt like there was like 10 or 15 Christmas movies. There's no. like, God damn, there's going to be probably a couple hundred. I'm never obviously going to watch all of them. Mm -hmm. But, eh, dude, you can watch two, three movies a day for the entire month, and you still are probably only going to see like half of the movies that people are talking about. Mm -hmm. eh, yeah. Whatever. And it's just like, hell, the Hallmark Channel alone is responsible for at least like 50 of them. I'm pretty I don't know sure. If I could do the whole channel. I, I suppose <laughs> at some at some point I'm gonna have to if I want to, you know, to continue because I I feel like I'm gonna watch all the mainstream ones by at this rate anyway by Christmas. But yeah, the Hallmark ones. There's a ton of them on Netflix too. That uh, you know, yeah. And there and there are a lot of new ones. So every time you think you're gonna catch up, there's always gonna be a whole pile of new ones that come out. But it's it is fun. I mean, I have enjoyed it. I mean, I'm just sitting home all week, literally. And by the way, I'm not a loser. Everyone out there who's, you know, like, oh, do watch Christmas movies. I am work technically working. You know, I have a regular job during the day and I work from home. And my boss, you know, he doesn't really check up. I was, this is the work you got to do. Get it done. And I do. But instead of like listening to music or shit, I just, I, I have a TV in my like home office and I, I watch movies all day, man. That's what I do. I mean, listen, there's worse things to have in life. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, shit. geez, I mean, if, if, if your thing is, is sitting around watching movies, bummer, what, <laughs> what, what a terrible life that is. My goodness. I mean, listen, I, I've been the guy that's been sitting around watching that Beatles documentary on Disney plus. So I, I watched uh, some of the first one, by the way, have you liked uh, it? It's fascinating. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. And like, I'm not a Beatles obsessive person, but like, I mean, come on, it's the friggin' Beatles. Like you gotta, you, you have to have like at least some basic knowledge of the band and which, I mean, music guy, like I, 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 I tend to think that I know some, th some things about the band already, but you're learning uh, even me as like a middle of the road, kind of casual Beatles fan, learning so much stuff about it and seeing how the guys interact is fascinating because you, you think like a band by that point in their career where, you know, they've, they've already had their, their drug years, their, you know, John Lennon's still kind of in his drug years. Well, that's be well, that's being shot, and um, 
it's it's fascinating to see how like even after all that time like even when they're going through some really hard stuff they're still just kind of cool with each other and everybody's fine and i'm just like it's like man that's this is not dramatic at all like <laughs> and it's it's really interesting to to, to watch and, and to see the dynamic and the, the personalities and like you you kind of understand the personalities already given how you know each guy's been portrayed through the years but yeah it's it's cool as hell man and like to see the song creation process go as you know as it happens with them is just something else it's it's incredible it's incredible to watch and i'm just like oh these guys their brains are just wired in a completely different way to be able to pull this stuff off i was you know what well maybe i'm wrong then because i watched the well there's three parts and i yeah. guess the total is like what like almost between like seven and eight hours between yeah, the three it's like eight parts. hours the first yeah. part is like two hours and 35 minutes or something like mm-hmm. that and my take was, and I think you just kind of proved me wrong here. I was going to say the only kind of people that would enjoy this documentary because of the length of it and because it is fascinating. I agree with everything you said from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. But my, my take was you have to really, really, really like this band a lot to sit through what basically is just them, a lot of the documentary just sitting around coming up with songs or talking or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, like you almost got to be like borderline obsessed with the band. But that's not true. Obviously, you're you're proving me wrong right now because yeah, you just I, said you're kind of a middle of the road Beatles fan. Yeah, but I'm also like a, a bit of a music dork too. Like you know, doing radio yeah. for for all these years and you know, college radio and stuff like that, where you're just you're just like obsessed and swamped over with music constantly. So like, even if you're just like a casual fan of the Beatles, it's really like I don't know. For me, it's interesting. For some people, it just might be like, oh my god two hours of these guys sitting around dicking around on the guitar and playing messing around and Ringo kind of looking like he's, he's bored waiting for everybody else to figure out the songs yeah. and everything. Like, you're just kind of like, I could, like, I, I will say, I don't think it's for everybody, but I think if you, depending on the frame of mind that you, that you go into watching it, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. See, maybe I was in the wrong frame of mind when I, when I started watching it, because to be honest with you, man, I was laying in bed, I put it on, and uh, I was oh, kind of messing around on my phone and Twitter, right messing around with TikTok <laughs> a little bit. I was, so I was bored, but I, I will say this. I did catch parts where they were coming up with a couple songs. And again, I only watched some, mm-hmm. I'd say a little more than half of the first part. I didn't watch any of two and three, but it was pretty cool to see them starting to come up with uh, verses and stuff. I, I know mm-hmm. Let It Be was one and uh, Get Back. I don't know if yeah. Let It Be was one. I, I can't remember. I, I think it might've been. But definitely Get Back was definitely one song in the first part that mm-hmm. they went through the process of coming up with. Yeah. McCart- was, and McCartney that was basically, cool, man. He basically pulled it out of the ether. Like, it was, just yeah. like, it was him and George and, and Ringo just kind of sitting around. And and then Paul's, like, kind of noodling with the guitar. And then he's kind of putting words together. And then suddenly he's just kind of like, all right. And he starts going, Get Back, Get Back. And he's like, yeah. he starts doing it. And he's playing it on the bass. And then Harrison just kind of perks up. And he goes, oh. Oh, you got something. Okay, we got something now. And it was just like out of nowhere. Like out of nowhere, suddenly there's a gigantic yeah. hit song. And you're like, the, the, the okay, creation pro- cool. Yeah, the, watching the creation process of, of a song when you're probably the most iconic band that's ever existed is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that part was cool. I'm gonna, I will probably give it a watch. And, and in fairness, I probably shouldn't be messing around on Twitter or my phone and looking at TikTok <laughs> videos when I'm watching it. It does seem like the kind of thing that if you're going to watch it, like you need to actually absorb it and watch it but anyway yeah that was cool like i said next week we're gonna do christmas movies today we're doing christmas songs for that though let's let's start with the sabers instead of the bills 
All right, I have to interrupt this podcast real quick right here at this very point, and for good reason. What you've heard up until now and what you'll hear after this is a podcast recording that Joe Yurden and I did roughly around lunchtime on Thursday. And if you do podcasts or if you listen to them, depending on when they're recorded, you'll know one of the biggest pitfalls of recording something the day before is that so much could happen after you're done recording. Joe and I spent a good 15 minutes of this podcast talking about the Buffalo Sabres goaltending, how lousy it's been, and that they need to make a move and they need to make one now. Didn't know any names, but we spent a lot of time talking about that. And then we also spent time talking about their top prospect goaltender, Uka Pekalukinen, who's been very up and down in Rochester. And we talked about how it would be a good idea to keep him in Rochester, let him get as many games, let him get as many minutes as possible. That was our initial recording again, Thursday, around lunchtime. Well, as fate has it, not 15 minutes after we wrapped, after we were done recording, the Sabres make a trade for a goaltender. They go out, they get Malcolm Subban from Chicago. Not really much to him. Kind of falls in line with the other goalies that they got right now up here in Buffalo. But anyway, so they make a trade for a goalie. And then like, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes after that, the Sabres promoted UPL to Buffalo because Dustin Tatarski went on the COVID list. Again, these were things that happened after we were done recording, literally right after we were done recording. So we didn't talk about it. And because we spent so much time talking about goaltending stuff, that now doesn't matter because they've made these moves. I decided just to, to nix that part. So that's why I interrupted us here. I'm going to get you right back to the podcast. When it resumes, Joe starts talking about Tate Thompson, Owen Power, and then the rest of the podcast is stuff that we recorded yesterday. So just want to let you know that. And on that note, right back to the podcast. Here we go. They give up a lot of goals. It's not necessarily always the goaltending. Sometimes the forwards aren't playing well, or sometimes the defense yeah. isn't playing well. You wrote about in Die by the Blade. In fact, that just dropped today as we taped this. I, I believe it dropped this morning, mm -hmm. Thursday. Uh, it's totally okay for fans to be excited about the imminent arrival of, of Owen Power. Elaborate mm -hmm. on the column that you wrote for, for Die by the Blade a little bit. Well, I dug into what Power's done this season for, for Michigan. And Michigan, like, Michigan's like a super team. I mean, I know there's not a lot of people watching college hockey like that's just not, it's not happening, but they, they can basically field almost two lines full of guys who are, who are, or were, or were number one picks or like first round picks. Um, it's just an unbelievable amount of talent. I think they had five first rounders taken in this, in this past draft power being one of them. It, it's, it's a stupid amount of talent. Um, so it's a loaded team, but even still powers powers second in the country in scoring as a defenseman. He's the leading scoring defenseman by uh, seven points uh, over anybody. Um, he's He's got tw what, tw three goals, 20 assists, I think it is. I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head. And he's got a lot of points in the power play. I think it's like 12 points in the power play. But he's, you know, you, when you're getting half your scoring in the power play, half on half at five on five, awfully good. And the, 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 the defensemen in the past who have who've scored at this kind of rate, uh, Kale McCarr is a big one because when he played for it, when he was at UMass a few years ago, when he came through here and lost the national title game, uh, he was uh, with UMass against uh, UMD. He had like an all time season. He scored like 16 goals or something that year for UMass. He was incredible. And, you know, it's guys like him, you know, Charlie McAvoy was another guy who had, you know, not as big stats, you know, scoring wise, but like 
as soon as he left BU and went to the Bruins, he was a, a monster player for them. And even a guy like I, I, I originally had him mentioned in the story that I took him out to mention McAvoy, but Scott Perunovich is another one who won, a, who won a Hobie Breaker, who put up giant numbers as a junior at UMD. And like guys that do this as defensemen, like power is, are rare in college hockey. Like we've seen it more lately, but guys that can put up points like this and play in a dominating sort of way like this are extremely rare. And I said, you know, I, my bold prediction was that he was going to be a Hobie Baker finalist. If he doesn't win it this year, I'll be shocked. And uh, he's, he's damn good. He's, uh, he's unbelievably good. And I know it was, you know, people were just like, well, he's not as high, right. You know, it's not as like overwhelmingly number one as, as guys like, you know, it's like Darlene was, or, you know, Jack Hughes was, or, you know, any of these other guys that went number one, he's rounded into form where it's like, okay, this guy's, dynamite and he's a big kid too he's six six like six six defenseman not a thunderous hitter but like are you gonna run up against a guy who's six 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 like on defense are you looking to skate into a guy that's that big like no of course not so i'm as this season goes on and michigan michigan's gotta be they should go deep into the tournament uh if they don't it's a huge surprise um but Michigan's worth watching. If you have access to the Big Ten Network, Fridays, Friday, Saturdays, or Sundays, watching some Michigan hockey is not the worst idea because Michigan's fun to watch, a. Eh? But power's on the ice constantly, <laughs> and you know and they, there's, you know, a Sabre, they, there's a Sabres goalie on that team. Yeah, as Eric well. Portillo. Yeah, he's he's their starting goalie there this year, and like he's gotten kind of downplayed because he has this you know super team in front of him. So, but even still, is Portillo's playing really well. So. He's and you know what? Him and Power are probably both get a sign here after this year. I I'm less conv- convinced, uh, confident on that with Portillo. Um, I'm I would bet my if I owned a house, I would bet the house on Power coming and signing with Buffalo after after Michigan season's over. Um, but I think in uh Portillo's case, maybe not quite as much, but uh, but he could. And I, th- I, I think I think if he doesn't sign with Buffalo after this year. It's time to get a little nervous, like the Colin Peterson uh, kind of nervous where you're just kind of like, or right. Calvin Peterson, like, you're just kind of like, okay, like, is he actually going to come here or is he going to like burn out his eligibility? Because that's, that's, that becomes an open possibility if, if he doesn't sign after this year, but I got to believe he's going to. You know, you, you talk about a goaltender and remind, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I, I should have asked you this before. How long could the Sabres go? If UPL is not ready, okay. I don't know when Anderson's coming back, but let's just say they determine and they're not rushing these kids in Rochester right now. Yep. Let's just say UPL, who from what I understand, I haven't watched, but I read, you know, and I follow a lot of you guys who, who cover hockey. He's been up and down in Rochester. Mm-hmm. He's had some, some good moments and he's had some really shitty games too. Let's just assume he's not ready right now. How long can the Sabres go on not making any move at, at goaltending and just rolling out to Tarski every night or God forbid Dell? And I know eventually Anderson will be back mm-hmm. eventually, whenever. But do they got to make some move at gold? Now, look, I know they're not going anywhere in the standings. They're not making the playoffs. But, I mean, you also don't want your team going out there, playing their asses off, playing their hearts out every night. Mm-hmm. And then they lose six to five because the goalie can't stop a, a fucking puck. At some point, right. you got to make a save. You know, mm-hmm. the quote my character, make a save. He's right. I mean, you have to, you got to have respectable goaltending or it's going to, maybe it might start to affect the morale of the team or, or, you know, something like that. How long can they go on before they like make some kind of move? 
Uh, not much longer, I would say. Um, the way Tokarski's gotten lit up the last few times out, the way Dell has not provided any sort of help uh, in relieving that. When if Tokarski has a bad night, you can say like, well, at least Dell can step in there, you know, clean up the mess, and then maybe get another start or two. That hasn't worked out that way. They're close to a point where a lot of those really strong effort games are not necessarily like not necessarily going to waste, but like from the confidence perspective where like guys are going all out, you got to kind of save that at some point. Sure. And if the goalies aren't able to, 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 to back that up and, and get it done, that's not great either. Like, I mean, you can, you can take your lumps because you know, you know, this team, you know, this team's going to have some of those nights where it's, they're going to get knocked around and like, that's how it goes, but you can't have your goaltending be the source of problems every time out like that cannot be the way I think that's why everybody got geeked up when when Ottawa waved Matt Murray uh recently and they were just yeah. like oh they got they got to claim him they got to claim him I was like well he's owed 15 million dollars after this year like I don't think they're claiming him especially because he's been bad in Ottawa like it and it's been a whole bunch of issues there like the Ottawa a not a good team you know Murray had covid last year I think it was he's had some like he's had some trouble re- you know recovering from that at least struggling with it I you know energy and and whatnot sure um so i mean th- like there's there's issues there but it costs so much money and like it's the raw cost i who cares about the cap hit like sabers are so below the cap doesn't matter like they're barely above the floor for crying out loud like taking on a six and a half million dollar cap hit on a goalie not a big deal but with what we know about the owners that he's owed like 15 million dollars after this year and probably another's what three million this year like you're gonna pay you think terry's Itching to pay a goalie eighteen million dollars after like trying to trying to scrimp and save you know the last couple of years and trying to get around with with Ulmark and and these guys uh-uh. not a chance. So, but I think you know I think Elliot Friedman mentioned that Buffalo is has interest, but like Ottawa's got to eat half that money. Which hey, that I think that's only I think that's only right um, considering he you know Murray's at his lowest value possible, and if they're desperate to move on from him. Hey man, like you got to eat half that money and like, that'll, you know, maybe we won't ask you for a first round pick then. Like maybe it's, then it's just a second round pick to do it. You know, like that's, that's the price of doing business there. But, um, but yeah, when it comes to UPL, I think if UPL was another year along and there wasn't his, you know, his development years hadn't got kind of fudged around the last couple of years because of COVID and everything, he would certainly have gotten a call by now. I have to believe it. Um, but the fact is that they got to get him right in Rochester first. They got to get him the reps and they got to get him the games and they got to figure out, you know, what's making him tick and what makes him go. Because if, if they don't get him figured out, they don't have a goalie pipeline really, because then you're waiting another year or two on Portillo. And then, you know, Devin Levi and Northeastern, like that's another, you know, year or two maybe after him. So like you, you don't want to have your pipeline broken, you know, for another couple more years like that, that does them no good, but you got to know what you got in UPL. And I think the games that he's looked outstanding are like, you're like, wow, that's the guy. That's the guy we need. But then there's other games where, you know, he's given up, he's given up like four goals on 15 shots. And you're like, what the hell, man? Like, like, like what the hell, what, like, what guy do we have, you know, night, night in, night out here. So if, if I think UPL was a little bit more solidified and he was owning it every game and like some of those, you know, it was a little bit more consistent. I think he'd be up already. As it is, 
he might still come up anyways because things have been that bad with with Dell and and to a certain and another level Tukarski. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's take a really quick break. And on the other side, I got a couple more Sabres things that I want to hit on. We'll spend a few minutes talking about the big Bills Patriots game coming up next Monday. And then again, we'll finish with our starting five draft. This week is going to be Christmas songs. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, I'm back with Joe Yurden. Now, you wrote on your noted hockey substack, which, by the way, I'll put a link to that. If you have not yet subscribed to that, obviously, go ahead. Joe does great work. He's putting out some really good content with that. But anyway, you had questions recently with a guy named Jack Han, and mm-hmm. uh, among them was Tage Thompson, who's just continuing to play really good. For those listening who don't know who Jack Han is, uh, tell us a little bit about that guy and then tell us a little bit about what was revealed in the post that you wrote for your noted hockey. Well, Jack is uh Jack's a is a as absolute hockey whiz. Like he's he's a, a very smart, brilliant guy. He's written a, he's written a handful of books on hockey tactics, uh breaking down you know, why teams do what they're doing, you know, like how guys are working off each other, how like, you know, different power plays work out, you know, what makes them tick, you know, things like that, like breaking in, like breaking down what makes some of these NHL teams go and so, and how some of these players operate. Like he's, it's fascinating. He, uh, he at one point was an assistant coach of the Toronto Marlies. I mean, he's, he's a young dude. Like he's, he's, you know, he's, he's probably a little bit younger than I am. And I got to know him, years ago when he was writing for the Montreal Canadiens. So he's a guy I've known for a bit and he's done some great stuff uh, with his, with his hockey tactics books, his eBooks, fantastic stuff. I cannot recommend reading them enough just, just to like broaden your mind and become more of a dork about hockey. Like that's, that's the way it is for me. But when it comes to some of the stuff on, on the ice and like, listen, I, I know my boundaries when it comes to uh, when it comes to like expressing my, 
I don't know, I don't want to call it expertise, but my knowledge on the game, I have my limits. And when it comes to breaking down, like, you know, the, the, one of the biggest questions I had, I've been feeling all year is like, how is, how is Tage Thompson doing this? How, you know, how does he go from being like this kind of nothing dude who's not putting anything together to being probably the best scorer on the Sabres and looking like, you know, not, and not by default either. Like it's by his own true merits. So, you know, so I buzzed this question off of Jack and the way he, way he was able to break it down for us was that, was that, uh, is that the situation that he, that he's in now with Buffalo is so much more favorable for him and, and how he plays because the way he was used before as a winger and, you know, the thought that he was going to be a power forward didn't work. It didn't work. I mean, it became, it's very obvious now that it didn't work. Um, but he's not that kind of player. Uh, he's like, he, you know, Thompson's like six, 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 seven now, which is crazy. I can't, it's crazy. He's, he's legit six, seven too. Like I, I talk, talk with Tage enough to know that me at six foot two is looking up at him going, geez, okay, man, you're all right. Um, but he, he's, he's such a, he's got such great hands and he's such, he got such mobility that he's a different kind of large size player. Like, he he's able to to be able to do a lot of things that smaller forwards do. And when he does that, it, it Jack broke it down saying like, that's tougher for a guy to do along the wall, do it along the boards because it, you know, it's, it, it, you know, cause he can only do so many things there. So putting him in the middle, you know, which is a position he hasn't really played a ton at before puts him in a, in a spot where he can do a lot more of these things and, and be able to, to, to do it to his advantage. So it's, it's, it, it's fascinating to have that kind of breakdown uh, in figuring out like what makes a guy go, because I mean, sometimes you just watch a game. It's like, Oh, he's doing better things. He's doing cooler things. Like, yeah. I mean, Hey, like, listen, I'm guilty of breaking things down like that myself too. But, um, but having him break down Tage that way was really interesting to read about and made me happy that I reached out to him to ask him about it too, because, you know, you know, Jack, Jack's been, he's, he's tweeted about him a, a few times this year. He's, he's written a couple of like a different things on his sub stack. Um, I think it's the hockey tactics newsletter. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, but his, um, but he breaks down a lot of these little things out now and again, and it's just like, wow, okay, this is really cool. This is really cool to see and really cool to, 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 to look at and how it works. But yeah, it's, um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting to watch. I try to not give away everything with what I was saying there. Please do go visit notedhockey.substack.com to to read it. But yeah, it's um, but yeah, the with, with what Tage is doing, it's really, it's a real. I don't want to say it's it's an unexpected development, but it kind of is because because uh, I don't know what we really knew. We we certainly didn't know that he had this kind of ability in him already. But um, but this is a very pleasant development because. They went from being a team where center was like, eh, I don't know, maybe Casey's going to be able to, Casey's got to kind of hold up everything here. And then Dylan Cousins got to fall in a line. But, uh, but now it's, now they're like, oh, we got Casey. We've got Dylan Cousins. We got Tage Thompson. Neat. <laughs> we, we have center depth finally. Like that's, the, that it's, a, it's a, such a huge switch for them because wingers, you can make a center a winger easy. Putting, making a winger a center, a lot more difficult. And the fact that it's worked for Tage is pretty impressive. Sure. And that's not even to mention pain and grabs who eventually at some point right. will be up. So the center depth, yeah, is definitely looking up. You know, I'd be remiss. One one last Sabres thing too. I'd be remiss. You mentioned his name if I didn't bring this up. 
Um, you know, you go back to the end of last season and Tate Shopsa was one of those handful of guys that kind of gave you optimism going forward. Another one was Casey Middlestad, who really turned it around, got mm-hmm. hurt. First game, hasn't been back since, but he is back. Again, we're taping this Thursday afternoon. He'll be back tonight. Obviously, we'll have to wait till next week till we can kind of, you know, talk about how he looks right now. But just his presence back in this lineup is a big deal, man. It's a big deal. Now he's skating with, I saw the lines, he's going to be skating with. Asplin and, and Gerkes says, what are, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? And uh, I mean, it's not like they have a ton of, of scoring options. That t- that Tage Thompson, Skinner, Olsen line, they're staying together. So I I, I wouldn't touch them either. And Cousins and, and Ocposo and Murray have looked pretty good. So I mean, it feels mm-hmm. like for now, at least anyway, feels like a good fit for, for Casey to begin, right? Yeah, he's got a couple of guys that, that really dig in hard. I mean, anybody who ever, who's, you know, I don't know if I'm, doing like the uh I don't, I don't know if i'm doing like the 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 verbal version of the steph curry like somebody told me steph curry couldn't shoot tweet but like you know anybody who's ever questioned zemgis gergensen's like ability to just play hard hockey and just to be like a just a, a dig in dude like that's craziness because he's always been one of the hardest workers out there which i know gets you know can get people rolling their eyes here, especially when they start calling it blue collar hockey or something like that. I just, even, I even roll my eyes just now saying that because I hate the idea of it, but, uh, but like that's Gergensen's game. Like he's, he's full on press, like get a, get in your face, defend everything. Just be a physical guy. Asplund's kind of the same way, but like not as physical uh, where he's, you know, straight line dog on a puck, you know, dog on a bone kind of guy with the puck uh, is always around the net. And able to do that, so like those guys are are, are kind of the uh, doing the grunt work, while Middlestack can do more of the can do more of the offensive work, where he's going to generate shots and and be able to slip passes to these guys. So I think it it, it makes sense in my mind right now. It, obviously, it'll be a, a little bit fluid for him, you know, coming back in, but uh, but that's a group that makes sense to me because because uh, you, you know exactly what you're going to get from Gergensen's. You pretty much know what you're going to get from Asplin, and Asplin's scoring has cooled off a little bit here lately. Uh, so maybe you're thinking Asplin's going to get maybe a little bit of a boost having Casey with him, but it works. Like I, the the flash and dash that this team has had before with Eichel and Reinhardt and those guys is kind of gone, but like these guys can produce, like they can do things well, especially in this system. The way the way Granado's got them playing, man, um, they can do things much more effectively than they have in the past. I, I, we're almost at a point now where like anything that we've learned about these guys in the, in the previous years, you might as well just forget about it because it's completely different now with how the, with the way they play and the, the way, the way these guys are kind of juiced up about it. So it's, I'm going to be, I'm going to be eager to see it. Cause I, you know, cause the way Casey played in preseason and everything, I was like, all right, maybe, maybe something can happen here. Let's see what happens. But you know, you get injured in the first game. It sucks. <laughs> it's just, it's such a letdown. So we'll see what, we'll see what he can do. I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see how it plays out because I think there is a little bit of pressure on him um, just because of, you know, the, the way it is right now. And certainly now that they added Peyton Krebs to the mix, it's like, it's like, okay, well, Casey, if you want to be a top six guy, you better like, let's get it done, man. Let's, let's do this because it's not only if those, are those guys, you know, him and you know, Krebs and cousins in line for it. Thompson's, basically your number one guy. So we'll see having lots of really good centers is not a problem. <laughs> you right. might th- it might be a problem for ice time and trying to figure things out that way, but it is not a problem that any, that is not a problem for any coach because if you can have your center position solidified, 
Woo, that's that's, a, that's such a break. That is such a like it's such a weight off of, of the shoulders of a coach because then because then you can play with the wingers however you want. But if you got your center straight, man, that's great. I'm excited about Casey returning. Not as excited as I am about next Monday though, because look, there's no way around it. It's a huge game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Well, yeah, I do know. It is the biggest game of the year. Originally, you know, I thought beating Kansas City was going to be the biggest game, the biggest moment of the year because, and we've talked about this before, I thought that they had to beat the Chiefs. Not just for the standings, not just to get mm-hmm. the W and the win column, but I think mentally to be able to get over the hump, they had to know that they could beat the Kansas City Chiefs if they end up playing them in the playoffs. Had they went to Kansas City and gotten smacked after playing two shitty games against them last year, I think that might have stuck around. So I thought that was the biggest game, but n- not anymore. I mean, this game on Monday night is the the biggest game of the year. It's certainly the most meaningful game of the year. It's certainly going to be the most impactful game of the year. Mm-hmm. It, it's literally for first place in the AFC East. And now everybody notices, you know, I'm gonna, I am gonna I am going to pat myself on the back. I told you this shit like three, four <laughs> weeks ago, man. Don't sleep on the Patriots. This is a very good football team. They play well. The offensive line is good. They run the ball. They have, uh, I would call a conservative passing game, but hey, it works. And they play hella defense, man. They're really good. And I don't even need to tell you how well they're coached. This is, I do think the Bills are the better team still. And even without Trey White, I still think the Bills are the better football team. One to 53, I think the Bills are the better team. I think they're more talented. They're at home, it's prime time, and it's a big game. So there's lots of things going the Bills' way. But if you just think this team's going to come in and, and just, you know, lay down to the Buffalo Bills, it, it ain't happening. This is going to be a good game, and this is an important game. Like, what are your thoughts going into this? Because New England's been, not one of them, New England's been the hottest team in the NFL now for the last, what, five weeks. Yeah. Um, there are. There's a lot of things about the Patriots that, give me a reason to pause when it comes to the bills. Like I, you know, they, they have a conservative passing game because they can run the ball, yeah. which we've seen is a, is a problem for the bills. <laughs> the bills defense, they struggled handling guys that teams that can run. Um, I know it's, it's, it's pretty commonplace to see bills fans kind of dunking on, on how Mac Jones has played, but also do you need to be a super duper level passer? If you're running games, pulling chunks of yards off like no nope. you can still you can get your yards then because suddenly the play action is a very effective weapon and you can go from there and out this is where i think any lessons they learned in the tennessee game come come back to help out buffalo here but um but i i admit i haven't watched a ton of the patriots this year i mean obviously we're not going to we're not going to see a whole ton of them here but um watching them play against atlanta though the guy i kept seeing constantly on the defensive side of the ball was Juden. And this kid, this dude is a freak. He's got like what? 11 and a half sacks already. Like 11 and a half, 12 sacks. Like Jesus. And I just keep thinking like, boy, if the line ain't got their head on straight Monday night, you're going to see a lot of him chasing Josh Allen all over the place. Cause Holy crap, man. He's, he's impressive. It's, it's so weird to be, saying this about New England because of how bad they were last year. Hey, listen, we, we know. We, we know why they're you – know, we, we know the reasons why. It was first year without Brady. You know, half their def- half their defensive starters all sat out because of COVID. Yeah, like, big deal. 
Yeah, they, it was. A, I mean, I might be sarcastic. It was a big no. deal. Oh yeah, but like, like you know, half you know, half their half the good players in the roster basically got a got a year off because they were just like, oh, forget this, we ain't, we ain't gonna deal with this. But they got basically they, the great defense they had two years ago basically came back, and yep. they added they added guys to it, and now it's like, oh well, here's why they're really good. The defense is great, and like they don't really have like a you don't have a superstar guy back there. Um. You know, like that, that just, you know, they had, you know, when they had Stefan Gilmore, it was like, okay, well, I guess he's the star, but he ain't there now. So, you know, like, what are they doing? It's basically, it's almost like a no-name defense, except Juden has been so much in the backfield that he's, he's the star, man. Like, you, like if you ain't paying attention to him, like, if, if they don't have him marked up every time they come to the line, they're going to be in for, that. the offense is going to be in for a hard night. Because that's, that, 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 that defense is very difficult. And, you know, I, I, you know, listen, the Bills offense has been up and down. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it was weird, you know, it's weird they beat New Orleans 31 to six and you're just kind of left, left going like, I don't know, it wasn't, it's not great. Like, you know, you're not sitting there going like, wow, oh, the Bills are back. You're like, you're not doing that. You're just kind of like, well, they got to win. So that's good. But, you know, Allen, Allen wasn't really going off. Like, you know, I mean. You know, I would love would have would have been great to see him like throw for like 400 yards and just you know just make it look effortless. Like that would be great, but I don't know, man. Like there, there's, it, it's and I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not a Bills fan and I'm like I'm kind of a natural pessimist going into these things, but it's a lot of bad juju for me. Like looking ahead into this game because I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like it, I mean, it's a huge game. Yeah, Bills got to win it because yeah, they got to get back on top of the division, but. I, I don't know. Like when you set that, like that opening line got set at what Bills giving three. Like that's the standard line for for a home team. Home team laying three points is the standard line. So it basically said tells me they think it's a pick 'em line. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like this is kind of normal. Like this is this is what they're looking at. It says so. I don't know. Like uh, I don't know. There's a lot that doesn't sit right with me about this matchup. I guarantee you on Sunday and Monday when all these experts are picking, you'll probably see close to a 50-50 split. I think you're going to get a lot of people mm-hmm. picking the Patriots. Let me say this too. About Mac Jones, if I'm bothered. I He's in, getting annoyed already, and that shit annoys me. Like I've, yeah. I, I'm a sucker, and the one thing I have done besides watch Christmas movies all week is as I continuously put on ESPN in the morning just because I'm a fucking glutton for punishment and an idiot. And all the it's it, it may as well be called the New England Patriots channel because they spend literally and the other half's the Dallas Cowboys, by the way, but they spend half their half their broadcast, all the shows too, talking about the mm-hmm. Patriots. And it's Matt Jones this, Matt Jones that. Look, Matt Jones is all right. He might turn into be a star in future years. He's okay right now. I think he's a great fit for the Patriots. No mm-hmm. question about it. But yeah, it's this defense. And I'll tell you this, man, they deserve the praise they're getting because they're very much for real. Now you could say, sure, if Josh Allen doesn't slip, the Bills beat the um, the, the Titans. Right? Mm-hmm. They got their asses kicked by the Colts. They didn't deserve to win the Jacksonville game. I don't care if they should have beat Jacksonville. Yeah, mm-hmm. every shitty team should beat every or every good team should beat every shitty team. It doesn't happen. The Bills didn't deserve to win that game. They got their asses handed to them by the Colts, and they lost to the Steelers. You look at the Patriots; they're eight and four. And I'm telling you right now, I've watched these games, dude. They their losses. They lost to Dallas in overtime where mm-hmm. Dallas needed like a 53-yard field goal or something to send it to overtime. And they got a lucky call, too. The, the Patriots should have won that game. Opening week, 
They lost to Miami by one point. It was a red zone fumble by Damian Harris. They were going to beat Miami mm-hmm. very easily right now. New England could be 10 and two. And then other, they lost by two points. Now, I'm not saying they should have won the game, but they only lost by two to Tampa on Sunday mm-hmm. night football. So this team is good. And they've beaten some pretty good teams too. It's not like they've played all, I mean, they have played the Jets twice, but you know, they, they smacked Tennessee. Now they're down a lot of guys, but they smacked them. They, they, they beat up on Cleveland. They beat Carolina on the road when Carolina was okay. They, they beat the Chargers on the road. Mm-hmm. They're a good football team. Now I'll say this for the Bills, for optimism, losing Trey White sucks. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the best mm-hmm. players on the team. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. You can't deny that that ultimately, in the long run, is going to be a detriment to this team. But for the purpose of this one specific game, and you look at this team right now going into Monday night, as opposed to last Thursday when they were playing the Saints, I think the Bills are actually better off than they were going into Thursday's game. And I say that because, yes, you lost a Pro Bowl quarter in Trey White, but you're getting Spencer Brown back, and you're getting Star Little back, and you're probably getting John Feliciano back. So the offensive line will be where they want it to be and the defensive line will be where they want it to be. And again, stopping the run for New England is going to be a big deal. So I would say the Bills are actually for this one specific game, plus the Patriots don't have any great wide receivers. Like I'm not very, I'm not sold at all and Dane Jackson being the, the second corner now and I'm not sold on Levi Wallace having to be the number one corner. Although he's played mm-hmm. well this year, I will give him that. But that might get them down the road. But for this game, and it's all about winning the division first and foremost, I think the Bills are in better shape going into this game than they were going into the Saints game. Yeah, I, you mentioned the uh, the receivers for New England. And anytime, and going back into the Brady years, anytime they had a receiver that you're just like, oh, crap, they got this guy. It was weird. Like Randy Moss, the one time, you know, Deion Branch was always really good, but like, I don't know. They they didn't having a superstar receiver has never been their thing. They've always no, been it like, hasn't. you know, spread it out and and you know, death by a thousand cuts. Right. That's kind of how it goes. And and having nine hundred tight ends who can catch the ball, like that's that's always been how they how they've worked. So I I, I think you're right because not having White may not hurt them as much in this game. Whereas if they see Kansas City again down the road. Sure. I that's not I don't like that setup at all. Yeah. Um but like, and by the but way, hold game, on, Joe. So we're clear, Joe and I both are the Bills are better with Trey White than they are yes. without them. Just so we're being yes. clear. But you're saying that they you think they can get by this game without a Trey White. I they agree. can survive this game without him. I I I choose to believe that. Um I think I think Matt Milano is gonna have to be you know, head on a swivel looking for the tight, you know, looking for John U. Smith and looking for these guys underneath. I think that's where, I think that's where their coverage is going to get really tested is, is from the safeties and and the tight ends, you know, from, from having to cover the tight end spots uh, because the, I mean, that's always the safety valve for them. It's, you know, whereas, you know, the past where you'd have like a Julian Edelman just kind of sit underneath and then he catch the ball and run for another 15 yards. They don't really have that now. Um, but now it's like finding John U. Smith, somewhere down, you know, somewhere down the middle of the field or, you know, you know, flying out into the, you know, out towards the sidelines or whatnot. That's where I worry about it. I don't worry about these receivers running wild everywhere. And honestly, I, you know, I haven't seen enough of Jones's arm to know any better, but I don't, I don't really worry about a vertical game there so much. I'm not sweating that out very much. I'm, I'm more worried about how the defense responds to the run 
and then how the dis- how the defense responds to the play action game after that. That's that's where my concerns come in for for Buffalo because we saw Tennessee work that to perfection against them. Now, granted, worrying about Derrick Henry and worrying about you know New England's army of running backs is two different things because Henry can break a game on you completely, and he did. You know, he did. <laughs> he did that game. Um, but the defense has to be a lot more savvy in how they read these things because, man, I, I keep going back to it. Every play action Tannehill ran in that game, I watched the 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 Bills linebackers all took a step forward or they lurched forward like, oh, here he comes. Oh, shit. Nope. Here we go. And then you got, you know, A.J. Brown leaking out behind you and then suddenly they got 15 yards, 15 yards of play just because the linebackers all lurched forward or bit on it to stop the run. So I I, I want to see that be more disciplined out of Buffalo's D, but, you know, I, I mean, again, Trey White's their best defensive player, hands down. Um, but as far as, like, needing him to lock down a, a receiver this week, you don't need it. You need him You need him against teams like Kansas City. You need him against um, – I'm blanking out here. Like, like, well, if you're playing the tight ends and, like, A.J. Brown is – and if he's healthy, he's the kind of mm-hmm. receiver – that could kill you. Maybe if you're playing a team like the Bengals who have really good receivers. Mm-hmm. I, I I get where you're going with that, and, and I completely agree. I'm going to give you a, you know what, Joe? I'm going to give you a, a take here. And I'm pretty good with hunches. And I'm also not a homer. And I, you're not even a Bills fan. So, right. I mean, and I like that. That's Again, I've told you this many, many times. It's one of the reasons why I like talking Bills with you because I know I'm going to get an objective answer from you. Not necessarily what fans always want to hear. But here's the deal. I feel really good about this game. If I'm the Bills, I do. I don't, I, maybe I, well, I can't explain it. And I'm going to right now. I, I think so. the Bills, I think the Bills, <laughs> I think the Bills have more firepower than the Patriots. And I think, I mean, New England's played good offenses too this year, but this is prime time. It's, it, there's a lot at stake. I think the Bills defense, even without Trey White, is very good. I think they're very capable of keeping the Patriots into somewhere between the teens to maybe the low 20s. And I know the Bills, and don't get me wrong, New England's got a very good defense and they're very well coached. But I think the Bills' offense just has enough firepower that if they're playing well, and I've said this a couple times this year, I can't tell you how much emphasis I put on an offensive line when it comes to a football team. Mm -hmm. And the Bills' offensive line without Spencer Brown is a fucking mess because Darrell Williams is going to tackle and he's not good at tackle anymore. And then... The right guard, whoever's coming in for him, which has been Cody Ford, is a disaster. So that's literally 40% of your line or one half of your offensive line that's just bad. John Feliciano, I am not a big fan of, but I do think he's better than Ike Botker. So I think with that offensive line, and even if worst case Feliciano's not ready and Botker's still playing guard, I think they'll be okay there. But with Spencer Brown at tackle and Williams at guard, this offensive line is significantly better. I think they'll block well enough. I think they can run the football well enough. Not great, but well enough. I think they finally realized that Matt Breida can be an asset to this offense. I think he helps a little bit. Dawson Knox is emerging into a very good tight end. So it's not just Stephon Diggs, although they need to go to Stephon Diggs. Well, the numbers say they're pretty much on pirate last year, but I still feel like there's times where they forget about him a little bit. But anyway, my point is this. The Bills have more firepower than the Patriots. They're at home. It's Monday night. It's a big game. I, 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 got this gut feeling that the Bills are actually going to kick their ass. Win by double digits. Hmm. 
that's okay. That I, I was not expecting you to take that kind of turn with it. Like I, I understand having confidence in this, like, cause you should, the Bills offense should have that kind of confidence behind it. Um, They're battle tested now as opposed to a year ago. I think that matters yeah. too. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned digs and I, I said this weeks ago, like, you know, the games that they struggle were games where like Allen couldn't figure out where Diggs was on the field. And then, you know, the last couple of weeks, it's, it's like, oh, wow. Hey, look, it's Stefan Diggs. Like, boy, that opens up the offense. Like, I agree with you weird. 50% on that. You're hundred, you're 100% right about Diggs. But I think they struggle half because of Diggs. Not so much that he's not getting the targets and the catches is where he's getting these little three-yard hitch passes as opposed to being worked down the middle, down the field more. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think it's the offensive line more than anything. I think the games they've struggled the most in is when the offensive line has been the worst. That Jacksonville game should never have happened. You know, the yeah, Pittsburgh I, game in the beginning of the year where where Spence Brown wasn't in the lineup and he was just, you know, a rookie who hadn't played yet. The games they've looked the worst, the offensive line has been absolutely fucking horrific. Except the Colts game where they just got beat up. Man, 1-53, to 53, they just got beat up. Spencer Brown wouldn't help him that day. That wouldn't matter. But besides that, they've struggled the most when the offensive line has been shitty. Yeah. Well, I, I've been hanging up on the point that if you're relying on a third round rookie to, to anchor your line, you're, you're in a bad spot. Like that's, that's been my point all along. And that that's why, that's why I fist pump when Tim Graham wrote that a few weeks ago, <laughs> where, you know, if you're, if, you know, if you're hanging your hopes on a, on a guy that you, that you drafted in the third round last year, you got, you got other problems that you're painting over with that. It's like true. that's, that's that's where I get stuck on that. That's where, you know, I mean, yes, getting all these guys back in line is is huge. Like that, that's a huge help. But, <laughs> but is you know, the way the Patriots d up is that going to be good enough? Is that you know, the, the, to me, the test of the line is the biggest thing here. Where, you know, you know, can they can they hang with these kinds of teams? Like. They couldn't hang with the Colts. And, yeah, I know. No Brown. Like, whatever. Fine. But, like, New England's deep plays that kind of physical stuff on the line. Like, if the, if, if the Bills line can't handle that, then that's your problem. Like, that's when you need, you need like, an ass-kicker lineman out there to kind of, you know, light a fire under these guys and just be like, hey, let's quit getting pushed around here. Like, this is, this is crap. We should, we should be owning these guys. And maybe Brown's, that, maybe Brown's that kind of player, and maybe they need that from more guys. But. I don't know. It's there. There's there's a point where they've been tested by these te- by teams that really hammer around on the lines, and they've failed those tests each time. Like the Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Colts. Like these teams have lines that just absolutely come out and try to clobber you, and yeah. they failed. They failed those tests. You know, other teams where it's you know it's more passive blocking and you know zone blocking type stuff, like Kansas City. You know, like they've passed those tests because that's that's essentially how the, the Bills like to play it. Uh, so it's like playing; it's like getting another practice in against you know, except you're playing an opponent. In this case, you know, if you know if if the Patriots come out and start hitting them in the mouth, Bills got to punch back. And if they don't, and they keep getting pushed back, then then I'd be worried. I agree. That's a very fair point. I, I liked what Tyler Dunn wrote a couple of weeks ago. He basically said the Bills are front runners. If they're better than you, they get mm-hmm. out, they get out in front, they'll dance on your grave, you know, but if they get, they get hit with that uppercut, they mm-hmm. don't know how to respond. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's going to be easy. I've been very high on the Patriots now for, again, I'm not just jumping on this uh, bandwagon, Patriots bandwagon. Now I've been seeing it for a while. I think they're good. And mm-hmm. their defense has been really good. 13-0, 7-6, 24-13. That's the amount of points they've allowed per game 
over the last six games. So six games, they, they've yet to allow 25 points in, in their last six weeks. Not going to be easy. Just a gut feeling, man. Sometimes you just get that gut feeling. I think the Bills mm-hmm. are going to play, maybe they're going to play their best game of the year offensively. And it could, certainly going to come at a good time because the Bills need to win this game for the record. I mean, yes. I think they need to win this game. Yes. If they, first of all, when it comes into division, maybe even the playoffs, bro, the mm-hmm. way things are going in the crazy-ass AFC, if the Bills lose this game on Monday night at home to the Patriots, now they're a game and a half behind the Patriots, then they go to Tampa on the road the next week. You want to talk about a week where maybe not having Trey White's going to hurt you? How about mm-hmm. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin being the two wide receivers for Tampa with Tom yep. Brady throwing them the ball? That's yep. got potential for disaster. And then also on the schedule, the Bills have another game at New England this time. Mm-hmm. So this is a very, very big game. I'm not going to go as far to say it's must win. It's not a win or go home situation. But they're going to be in a lot of trouble if they lose this football game. Simple as that. I don't think they're going to, but I think they're in trouble if they do. Yeah, I, I've I've had a handful of Bills fans tell me that like if they lose this game, they're just like, oh, it's all right. You know, the, the rest of the schedule is kind of easy. And it's like, well, you have two other really hard games. Sure. At least two other really hard games after this. And it involves, you know, New England again and then Tampa Bay. And they're like, oh, well, you know, they got Carolina. They got the Jets again. They, 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 things are okay. Like, they'll be fine. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I wouldn't want to go losing, like, lose one or even two to New England. You can't do that because then you're definitely not winning the division. Um, you you want to beat the you want to beat Tampa Bay because you know again it's getting one over on Brady a you know because Brady has a you know a Chipper Jones against the Mets kind of lock on the Bills for some reason um, for you know well, I, for a lot of reasons but like you know even now it's like it's like geez how's how's this guy still in everybody's head here like that's that's goofy but. You don't want to be in that spot where it's like, okay, well, you know, you know, if we can't win the division, don't worry, we got the playoffs. Like, I don't know, do you? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, everybody's sketchy, and they're like, well, I don't see any reason why they would lose to any of these teams. I go, well, Jacksonville, the Jacksonville games, why? Like that, you can't get critical on, you know, saying like, oh, they got these other guys, they got these other teams on lockdown. Don't worry about it. It's like, well, you thought you were going to beat Jacksonville by by sixty, so you know, I I, I don't know. You can't get complacent. And like, that's, I don't want to say that's, that's kind of what Ty Dunn was getting at about this, where it's complacency. I think it's, it's undue arrogance at times where it's just kind of, ah, don't worry. We'll walk these guys. It's fine. Yeah. That's exactly what, may, what, what it makes, is. what makes you think you're going to do that. Like you haven't yeah. proven that at all. Like, wow, we'll beat Kansas city. We're going to own this. We're going to own the AFC. Like, cool. You, you, you beat Kansas city when, when they were still figuring their shit out. And now they have, <laughs> do you want Kansas city again? Like, I don't know if I'm getting, if I'm making the playoffs, I want to try to get as far away from Kansas city side of the bracket as humanly possible. Because, you know, once they round in a form, we know what they're like and we're already seeing what they're like. And people just, ah, you know, Mahomes doesn't still look that great. It's like, I don't know, man. A lot of what I've seen the last couple of weeks looks like him getting in, rounding in a form and I'm seeing the old Mahomes come back. Like yeah. that's, that's the thing. Like, oh, suddenly Travis Kelsey's catching those balls underneath. Suddenly Tyreek Hill's getting getting wild all over the field. Like, you know, the, you know, the other you know hundred receivers they have are all catching passes everywhere. It's like, I don't know, man. They don't like. They're like Kansas City's like the old Patriots. They don't start really taking shit seriously until like week ten, because they're just like, whatever. Well, we can go five hundred. You know, this whole way, win. You know, rally and just run the table the rest of the way, and then you know, people are just gonna be like, well, I can't believe how bad they were at the beginning of the year. Like, yeah, well. You know, you make the Super Bowl two years in a row, you're going to have a little bit of hangover, I guess. Yeah. 
last point here, and because I want to draft. I'll say this about the standings, okay? Yeah, I'm not talking about mathematically the Bills can mm-hmm. finish in first in the conference or they can miss the playoffs. Of course, that can happen mathematically. There's still like five or six or six goddamn games, of course. But realistically, bro, as of right now, going into this weekend, they are the sixth seed in the AFC. They beat New England. They're right back up into the top two or three because they'll be leading the division, all right? But if they lose this game, they might not, if the season had ended on Tuesday morning, it's a chance they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. What I'm saying is this, the AFC is crazy this year. No team is taking control and there's got to be what, like 11, 12 teams right now that are realistically vying for playoff spots. I mean, you Mm -hmm. got Vegas, you got Denver, six and five. They're only game behind the Bills. You got Indy, who's a game and a half behind the Bills. Actually, they're a game and a half and they beat the Bills head to head. The Steelers are still in the mix. They beat the Bills head to head. Point being is, it's not a given the Bills are going to be in the playoffs. It's also not a given they, they're they still in play for the number one seed. That's mm-hmm. how crazy it is right now with the AFC. And I'm not saying mathematically. I'm talking about realistically. The Bills could end up having a bye their first week or the Bills could end up having 26 weeks of buys because they're not even going to be playing in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. this is a big game. The Bills have been really good the last couple of years in the division. And again, I still think, I do think the Bills are good to win. It's a big game. And I don't think it's being undersold. Sometimes there's a big game and it's, maybe it's not quite as big as we talk about. This is not one of them. So big game. I look forward to talking about it next week with you. Let's wrap up here. Uh, Christmas songs are draft. Actually, let's go back to last week. You know what? Last week sucked. All right. I'm not talking I, about I, for, I forget what our poll even was, what our top that's five what, last was. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> last week was a holiday week, Thanksgiving. Let's be honest here. It was kind of a throwaway poll. And I don't know. We mailed it in essentially. We what we did to refresh your memory was female vocalist over the last 40 years. And I don't even know if you know this, but you did win. Oh, <laughs> you had cool. You, had, you won. Let with, me have a parade. Hang on. <laughs> you won with 54% of the vote. You had okay. to recap. So you drafted Whitney Houston, first overall, Mariah Carey, Amy Winehouse, Annie Lennox, Chrissy Hyde. By the way, this was the wrong week to do this. Anything would have been. The interaction would not have been strong on Thanksgiving, I don't think, no matter what we did, just because it's Thanksgiving and people aren't on Twitter as much and, mm-hmm. you know, listening to podcasts and stuff like that as much that week. But those are that's a really good roster you had. I had 46% of the vote. I took Celine Dion. I took Adele, Lady Gaga, Alicia Keys, and Wilson. I feel good about my roster, too. Only a couple, there was, this was like probably, I don't know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It was only about... 350, 400 votes. Low turnout. Again, holiday week. It was kind of a throwaway poll, but you did win. One of these weeks, I'm actually going to have to go back and go through all the polls and start keeping track of our record. (laughs) I don't want to know. I probably shouldn't do that because I shouldn't want to know what it is. (laughs) But yeah, man, another another W in the column for Yurden. I get made fun of a lot, by the way, for this shit now. Just so you know that. Really? Who's making fun? Who's making funny? People on on. Twitter constantly, or even Facebook, you know, or friends of mine, even sometimes when I'm drinking, I get razzed about getting my ass kicked in these polls. They tell me how bad I am. Wait, are they razzing me because they think my picks stink? And then they're like, wow, but yours really stink. No, well, I don't know. They just, but they tell me that I suck. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's so that's tough. Again, this is December and it's Christmas month here at Talk Buffalo Podcast. So we're going to have some form, at least some connection to Christmas all month long. And this month or this week, I should say, we're doing Christmas songs. All right. Now, yeah, you went first because you took Whitney and I was mad about that. Yeah, I didn't think you were I, gonna, 
I don't know why I had I you would... scouted, man. Like, I... I know you love Whitney, and I'm like, I how how many how how was I not going to pick her first? Come on. All right. All right. That wasn't like a, just the defensive pick. That's a legit number one pick. It, it, yeah, it's, come on, man. It was, that was a really good pick. It was. I, I don't it just know why happened I, to screw you over. So that's. Some, that was I, I don't double, know why I got rattled. Break. I got a little rattled because for some, I don't know why I didn't think you wouldn't pick Whitney. Wow. But, but you did. All right. Man. Well, let's see what happens this week. All right. So when I say Christmas songs too, by the way, there's so many songs. We're just going to draft the song and not necessarily specifically the artist. I mean, you could add the artist if it's a song. There are mm. some songs out there. And we'll see if we come across this during our draft where oh, see, I, I was preparing for this like we needed to have the artist to well, go with it too. I name me the artist, that's fine. Okay. I'm gonna name you the artist for once I take too. But okay. there are some no, where right. you might make an argument. There's some like I don't know, we'll, we'll cross a bridge if we get to it. Okay. You don't necessarily have to have the the singer's name because some have been covered dozens of times. Mm-hmm. I say that because I do have the first pick. And I am drafting a song <laughs> and it's been done countless times and there's mm-hmm. countless good versions of it, but I am going to uh, give you the specific, you know what? I went down with her with my first pick last week and I'm going to possibly go down with her again with my first pick this week because I'm taking Oh Holy Night. That's my first overall pick. Wow. And I'm taking the Celine Dion version. I, I She's, it's just gold, dude. Picking Celine's never a bad move. I mean, she gets dumped on for the Titanic song, but that ain't her fault, man. Dude, she's one of the best singers on this earth. And again, I love this song. No matter who's, no, I wouldn't say no matter who's singing it, but her version of it to me is just unbelievable. See, I'm I'm kind of annoyed at you right now because I had Oh Holy Night on my list just in general. Because because it's a song that goes hard. It's a Christmas song that goes hard. That has no re- There's no reason why that song should go as hard as it does, which sounds weird for a Christmas song. I know it's not like it's Slayer playing. Oh, Holy night. Like that's the, it's, it's not like that at all, but it's like, you know, you're in Christmas when that, when that song hits sometimes you're just like, Oh shit, it's Christmas now. Like, okay. Yep. Love it. All right. Love that. And like, just in general, I was picking that song. I had it written on my list without, without, an artist like everything everything else i have on my list i have the artist next to it that's what that's one of the reasons why i said that and there's one or two other ones that could be in play where there's just so many artists and Mm -hmm. so many versions of it that i don't know you know but anyway all right let's see what you got man so i'm this whole thing gets me torn because part of me wants to do ones that are like really original like you know like christmas songs that are like they are christmas songs but they're not like the standards you know Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there are other songs where it's like the standard is is the standard for a reason. Right. And one of those to me, I'm going to try to keep this balance for. Me. I'm going to try to do some do some balance shit here. <laughs> um, so uh, when I think Christmas, I immediately think of Bing Crosby because mm-hmm. he's he's done a thousand different Christmas songs. So that you got to pick pick if you got to pick one from the bunch. To me, it's White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Because that is, I mean, again, legendary crooner, just an unreal voice. And he's he's basically the voice of Christmas as far as I'm concerned. I'm glad you had that. I'm glad you it had that on the It was queued up because it was very <laughs> fucking high on my list, you son of a bitch. Uh, good, good. Take that. But yeah, it's, um, you, I, you can't, you can't go wrong with anything by Bing Crosby. Honestly, this whole list could be Bing Crosby as far as it I'm could. concerned. It definitely could, um, no question. No question. But it's, it. but I mean... It's again, like you throw that on and you're just like, you're in a mood. Like, you know, the, the candles are lit around the house. The trees lit up. 
you know, it smells like cookies or, you know, the turkey's cooking or whatever it is. And you're just like, okay, eh, we're at Christmas now. Like, this mm-hmm. is good. Like it's a, it's a, it's it's like getting incense, but in a song, you know, you're just <laughs> like, I'm okay. All right. I'm good now. Uh, the next, my, my second pick here is going to be, I'm torn. Because, ah, man, there's just so many good ones. And this yeah. is going to be harder than we thought. I, I think. Yeah. Because, because I think we get torn between again, standards and, you know, more modernized or different types of Christmas sure. songs. Sure. Um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I mentioned this song like weeks ago. I, it's the song that signals the beginning of Christmas season. It's all I want for, all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah. You like, fucker. That, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, that somebody mentions that song like around Thanksgiving, and I'm just like, oh shit, it's in my head forever now. It's never gonna leave my head, and it's playing in every store. It's playing in every commercial, like everywhere. It's. It's the it's the most modern of like the it's a standard now as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And like it was made like what 15 20 years ago whatever it was. Like yeah. holy shit man. Like that's cr- that's crazy to 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 show up and make a Christmas song that's like a new like guarantee play Christmas song like now is nuts because again everything's like standards constantly but like that's like a standard now. Like I mean you're not going to hear it on like AM stations, you know, <laughs> randomly. Like that's just not going to happen. But like, if you did, would you be surprised? No, not at all. I hate myself for how much I love that song, and I'm not even going <laughs> to lie, man. <laughs> I really do. I, 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 I'm shocked. I'm not shocked that you took White Christmas. I, I had a. I don't know if you were, where you would take it, but I, I that mm. was high on my list, and I. I did not think you were going to go Mariah Carey. I'm a little bit taken back here. I thought I might be able to sneak that in with a third. Yeah, I thought I was going back to the well again because I know I mentioned it. Oh, geez. I think I mentioned on here like a few weeks ago and I was like, shit, Pat's going to remember that. And honestly, if you'd taken it first, justified, a hundred percent justified. Um, But yeah, I I, I felt guilty because I was like, oh man, I, I feel like I'm going back to like, going back into the same hat and just doing the same thing over again. But like, I can't, you can't not pick it. Like if it's neither a, of us picks it, like in there, in our first couple picks, we're idiots. It's a very hot topic song too, by the way, the people who love it will defend it to the face of this earth. And then there's some traditionalists and people who hate it and they'll Come bash on. it at every turn. But yeah, but how, do, how can you hate that I song, man? Like I'm, I'm a hard ass. Like I, like, I Christmas is, I, I love Christmas, but also just, I'm kind of like, all right enough but like that song i'm immediately like i'm happy like things are cool like yeah i mean it gets overplayed like crazy but who cares like who gives a shit like it's nice it's a good song it's a great song all right well i got two coming up here now um the first one you know what it's by bobby helms it's an old song it's a, it's a traditional standard and it's uh it's jingle bell rock i i've always loved that song it reminds by the way these kind of songs I feel like they have some kind of meaning in some ways, like there are those sparks some type of memory. Mm-hmm. At least for me, they do. Like this song takes me back to being a kid, and it was one of my dad's favorite songs. And I remember mm-hmm. Christmas time, he'd be pumping this on his shitty radio. In fact, I think he had it like on his like cassette mixtape. You know, he would play it and rewind it all mm-hmm. the time. But yeah, man, this is a classic for me. So this one wasn't too hard. This is where I'm taking a. a 
I might take it a risk with the song. I'm taking mm-hmm. a risk here by by not picking. I'm trying to get something later in the draft. Okay. So okay. I'm taking a chance here. I don't know if I, you might not even. I might have been able to get in the 15th round if we had 15 <laughs> rounds. I honestly have no idea. So for everyone listening, Joe and I have no idea where we're going with any of right. these. Um, but for now, I'm going to let it try to side for another round. This is another standard by Brenda Lee, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. You prick. I love this song. You prick. You know, I know other people have said this. I'm not the first one. Here it is. All right, you hear that? Yeah. I always grew up thinking it said, later we'll have some fucking pie, not pumpkin pie. <laughs> I <laughs> Maybe that's what made me like it first. And I've heard a lot of people on Twitter, you know, social media talking about that, but... This is a great song, man. It is. Just feel good song, man. So- I, I'm so mad at you right now because I was getting ready to say this song because I assume you're gonna go with something else. I don't know why, but I was. But as soon as you said Bobby Helms with with Jingle Barai, I was like, oh shit, maybe he's on. Maybe this is the path he's going down with stuff that's like from what, like the fifties ish. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I think it's like the fifties. So I was just like, oh no, maybe he's yeah. maybe he's gonna maybe he's gonna do it to me. And then, sure enough. Sure enough, you did, you prick. All right, well, you got two here, man. Stuffing coal in my stocking with these picks, man. Just, <laughs> um, you know, okay, I got to pick Holly Jolly Christmas by Burl Ives. And I mean, this is like ancient song stuff by now. Like he's Burl Ives, what, 30s, 40s, I guess. And he looked like Santa Claus. He, everything about him like like looks like Christmas. And apparently he was like the crustiest man on the face of the earth. He, he like hated <laughs> he hated kids. He hated I Christmas, but he, but he but he but like It's a perfect Christmas song, man. Like that's It's a great again, song. Again, it puts you right in the mindset of like, yes, Christmas, good. Going to agree more, man. Going to agree. Good song. I like that pick. So yeah, I yeah, and like Burl Ives, his voice is great. Like that's such it a is. Great voice. And again, he looks like Santa Claus. Like he looks exactly like he's got the white beard, the whole deal. Like just he is Santa. Um, so yeah, I gotta I have to pick that one. I have to. Yeah, Especially because one. I had to pick an older song than you. So, you know, that's that's the way that goes. But um I'd be remiss if I did not pick the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. Okay, that's another good one. I don't the, think we're uh, going to have any bad ones here, man. No, I really don't. <laughs> I, I really don't think so. But like, gonna... it, I mean, Nat King Cole's voice is just like, oh man. Yeah. Like you're just like, yep. Okay. We're good here. And see, now I just want to listen to it. <laughs> I don't even want to do this podcast anymore. I just want to listen to these songs in their entirety and crack a beer and fucking look at Christmas lights and stuff for all, all night, man. I don't even like eggnog and I'll drink one right now. Just <laughs> put, enough, put enough rum in it to, to make it okay for me. That's, that's all. Yeah, but yeah, that, like, I mean, Jesus. This is a standard. This is a great standard. 100% a standard. And it's perfect. It's a perfect song. Yeah, it, it really is. This is this is a sit by the fire and enjoy yeah, song. Absolutely. Like that, it's a song that puts you in a in a place right away makes it makes it a great song. Like that's that, that's kind of what I draw up with these because each one, each song, I mean, hell, every song that we've all picked here, I can put myself in a place of being like, yep, I'm right there. Of course, you know, Mariah Carey's song, I, I picture I'm in a mall, you know, being chased, you know, trying to chase after things, looking like 
Arnold Schwarzenegger in that in that movie. But uh, but like every song I can pick out like where you know where it comes from, why I know it from there, and uh, it puts me in a certain place. Yeah, where it's like, yep, I'm good. Like, Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. These songs they, they either spark memories or they make you feel a, a certain kind of way, and that's what I love about them. So I got here. Well, I got my last two. All right, I did get away with the one I was trying to hide. I have okay. no idea how it's going to play, but it's like the only Christmas rap song ever. It's oh, my Run DMC nice. Christmas in Hollis, man. Yes. I, I always, I'll never forget when I first heard this before. Because again, if you grew up listening to the standards around your house, your parents, your family's putting them around or whatever, you know them. And then all of a sudden, in somewhere in time in the, I think it was the 80s or whatever, I hear this, I'm like, what the fuck? Dude's rapping, Run DMC's rapping. And plus, by the way, Run DMC was like my favorite rap group ever growing up too. And they still are one of my favorite rap groups ever. So yeah, I'm glad I got this one. I don't know how it's going to play out, but if I go down with this one, I'm all right going down with it. So. I, I think anybody who hates on this song just hates fun. And yeah, they like, hate fun. I, I just get lost. If you're just like, I don't like that, song. get out of here. Just take your, take your crap and get, take your coal and get the hell out of here, pal. I'm going to pick a controversial song with my last one, too. Well, it's not, con- I'll tell you why, only reason why it's controversial. Do you know that, I don't know, I know you don't know them personally, but you, you've you heard of the Rock Power Report. Good guys on, on Twitter, oh, yeah. they, they have a podcast. They put out this thing called Whamageddon. They shared this thing where if you hear this song, you're out, you're eliminated, or you got to try to avoid it all month. I don't want to avoid it because it's my fifth pick here, and it's Last Christmas by Wham. <laughs> I love know. this song, but this man, it's be, depressing. It, oh it, my God. It might be my downfall. I'm, look, man, I, it is a depressing song. I agree 100%. But to me, I when, it, when I think of Christmas, this is one of the first songs that I think of, mm-hmm. good and bad. And again, it's kind of, well, by, it's modern enough. Yeah. You know, again, compared to all it's the- It's like an 80s song now. Yeah, but, compared but, yeah. to shit like, you know, White Christmas and Holy Night yeah. and Jingle Bell Rock and stuff like that. It's my, I'm immediately having buyer's remorse. I haven't even, I haven't even written it down yet. And I already have buyer's remorse for picking it. Um, <laughs> you shouldn't though. Oh, no, God. come on. All right. Well, fuck. Of course, it, it all depends on what I pick last here. So I might, I might be able to bury you. So. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Speaking of you, this is, you got one more here. So. Now, I think when we get to our, our honorable mentions, we're going to have an unbelievable list of honorable mentions. Um, but I, and I don't know if I'm going like too old school with this, but like it's the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams. That's a great song, man. I I'm mean, get my ass kicked. I, I feel like I feel like Nelson on The Simpsons, where they where they wound up stopping in Branson to to make sure to see Andy Williams, and and Bart Simpson, Bart goes, oh, Andy Williams. He's like, say another bad thing, but like he gets ready to pound Bart because they're gonna, <laughs> gonna go see Andy Williams. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! Like this song. You, it, it's such a good Christmas song. You hear it when it's not during Christmas. Like yeah. it's the song that gets attached more to like kids going back to school than anything now, which is nuts. But like, I mean, the whole the whole the whole song's Christmas. Like it's, you know, it's 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 perfect. But yeah, but yeah, like it, it's hard not pick. To, it's hard to not pick a song like that just because yeah. I so, have yeah. I have buyer's remorse, Joe. Can I change my pick? We've never done this on this <laughs> podcast before. In the history of our draft, and we got it, man, we've probably done 25 of these at this point. I've never, neither of us have ever changed the pick. I'm not going, I want to so bad. 
I want to change it. What, because, what would you swap out? Like, um, we'll just, we'll tease the idea. I'm not going to allow you to do it, but I just want to know what you would do. I just want to know what you would do. It, it would be a classic. I would go back to a classic. And it's funny you said Andy Williams because he's actually very high on my list, but not for that song. Although that's a fucking perfect song, but it's, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be home for Christmas by Andy Williams. Oh, yeah. And it's the Andy, mm-hmm. and it's the Andy Williams version specifically. This was one of those songs where I was talking about, man. There's so many great versions, mm-hmm. but. I love I'll Be Home for Christmas. If only for one night. It's a is that, great a, is that another one Bing Crosby did? Bing Crosby's done it. Everybody's done it. Okay. I personally like this Andy Williams version right now. But um, yeah, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna regret it. You, you spent, you're a prick for not letting me change it. I'm gonna get well, killed I, for the last Why Christmas. would I? Why would I let you change it? I, I, <laughs> you made your bed, you sleep in it, pal. Let me let me give you a couple that I had on my list that uh neither of us ended up drafting. Okay. This one, obviously. Um mm-hmm. Winter Wonderland, that, that that's a pretty popular one. Uh, if you want to go new, Underneath the Christmas Tree by Kelly Clarkson, which is actually a really pretty oh, cool I, song. I don't even know that one. Yes. You could have picked that one. I would have been like, no, no idea. <laughs> I wouldn't even know if it was good or bad. I'd just been like, okay, cool. It's a song. <laughs> there's Yeah, there's just, man, there's so many great ones. What, what are, you know, oh, by the way, hold on. There was one I, I struggled between that. I didn't almost pick, um, I almost, I didn't almost pick that one. The one I was going back and forth with was Feliz Navidad. I almost took Feliz Navidad mm. instead of, uh, you know, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Yeah. I almost uh, took that one. That? Was that Johnny uh, Mathis? No, it was. No, uh, it was uh, oh, God damn it. I have it in front of me, too, because, again, it was on my list. It was. Um, oh, frick. That's going to bug me. I don't know. I need I'm to gonna, look it up now. <laughs> I'm going to have to let you know. But it, but anyway, I took that. So I, I got to make sure I include that. Jose Feliciano. Mentions. Yeah. Yeah, That's I right. almost took that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I wonder if our, our pal Joe from Queens is gonna get mad that we didn't pick Dominic the Donkey. Yeah, I fucking hate that song. I would have been so <laughs> mad at you. I would have been so mad at you. I would have been so insanely mad at you if you would have. If taken I it. if I was doing troll picks, that would have been number one on the list. Where maybe I was like, it, how how can I make Pat the maddest? Maybe Dominic I'll be maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised that I won't get roasted for for the wham pick. But another new one I could have taken was In Sync. I don't know if you know this song. I love this song. It's by NSYNC. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. You would have gotten killed for this. Probably. Ah! You would have gotten slaughtered for this. You kidding me? I don't know, man. See, because the other ones I had on my list, the ones I didn't take, um, uh, Little St. Nick by the Beach Boys. That's a good one. That was one of my dad's favorites. Yeah. uh, My dad loved the Beach Boys, too. And I mean... we weren't a big Christmas song household. Like that just wasn't our thing. But like the beach, mm-hmm. my dad loved the Beach Boys. And yeah. then Run Rudolph Run by Chuck Berry. Oh, that's a good one too. I, God, there's so many good Christmas songs. I've been, I, I got in such like a Chuck Berry thing from watching the Beatles. Like to, again, to like kind of put a bow on like our talk from like an hour ago. But like they were doing so many like dicking around playing Chuck Berry songs. And I was like, the Beatles were in a Chuck Berry. I was like, that's cool as hell. And then like, and then I, I was going over. It. I was like, "Wait, he's got Chuck Berry's got a great Christmas song because I think it's a, isn't it in Home Alone? It's probably in a handful of movies, anyways. But like, that's a great Christmas song, and it's it just is. Chuck Berry being, you know, weird but also really cool." One last one. Do you remember this was from the eighties by Band Aid? It was one of those collaborations. Oh, I know. You, I already know where you're going. Do, do, yeah, you remember this one? Mm-hmm. That one could have been a good pick too. I don't know what the reaction... I'll tell you what. Doing this was fun. A lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. I have no <laughs> I, I have no idea, no earthly idea whatsoever 
how it's going to play out. Let me recap real quick here before we get out of here. So I drafted Oh Holy Night, Jingle Bell Rock, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, Christmas and Hollis, and Last Christmas. Joe selected White Christmas, All I Want for Christmas, A Holly Jolly Christmas, the Christmas song. God, there's a lot of Christmases going on here. And it's the most wonderful time of the year. We might, I might have to do, when we do our weekly Twitter poll, I might have to have like one for each and then a poll on the yeah. third. It might have to be a thread because these are going to be, knows a lot. And we'll put the artists. I'll put the artists too. Again, so I'll have one tweet for you, one tweet for me, mm-hmm. and then a poll on the third. How fun though. I enjoyed this, man. This was fun. This was really cool. Good episode as always. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Yurden. Check out Noted Hockey, his Substack. Subscribe to it. Bro, this was fun, man. See how it plays out. And I'm looking forward to the next week, too, because, again, we got the Bills Patriots to talk about. And mm-hmm. I want to see how Casey Middlestat looks, and we'll talk about that as well. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. And you know what? I'm actually now in a Christmas mood. So thanks. I was not feeling Christmas at all, but now I am. So this, this worked out good. Maybe now I'll buy gifts. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com